Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me is my co-host Scott King. Hey man, you know the big news is of course the recent signing of Devontae Freeman to the New York Football Giants for a contract worth up to $3 million after Saquon Barkley was rolled out for the remainder of the season into an ACL tear. Which brings up an interesting question, because we're going to talk about Devontae Freeman and Saquon Barkley and all those injuries later in the show. But let me ask you, Scott, what was the worst injury that you've ever had? Yeah, so I, I'm stupid enough to play a lot of hockey, and especially in my advanced age. And I've had everything x-rayed from <laughs> literally from my head down to my, my feet and ankles. The worst injury I had, um, I tore the meniscus in my knee, yep. but I played on it That's for eight months, uh, strapping nice. it up every night and uh, before I had surgery. So that, that would probably be the worst one for me was that meniscus, but it could keep oh. me off the ice. Oh, man. Well, that, hey, that's dedication, and that's just like a real ice hockey player. Don't let injuries stop you from anything, right? I mean, that's like unbelievable, that's right. those guys. Um, I, I will tell you that my worst one was kind of in line with what you had. I had a, at one point a torn anterior and posterior meniscus and a strained ACL my left knee when I went um, hiking on a glacier in Iceland. And it actually wasn't the hiking that did it. It was actually my wife flipping a snowmobile onto my knee because she was going way too fast for a glacier. Because, well, you know, glaciers made of ice, clearly somewhere where any reasonable person would not be speeding, particularly on a half-ton snowmobile. But she flipped over onto my knee, and my friends, that was not fun at all. Um, what's the best part of that, actually, is that she later went out and got me a bottle of Advil and said, hey, here you go, now we're even. And I'm like, we are so far from even right now. It's so far. Uh, but yeah, so I get it, man. Torn meniscus, no fun at all. Anyway, point is, injuries are horrible. Same can be said for week two of the NFL, where we saw a ridiculous number of injuries. So we're going to discuss that, the new opportunities and signings across the league, fantasy football fallout, and just so much more, including what games to watch in week three. So let's go. All right, so we've had bad injuries, but boy, oh boy, have we seen injuries in week two. Um, It is unbelievable. Just to name a few, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tyrod Taylor, Cam Akers, Kenny Galladay. There are so many, and there are so many more that I just can't go through the entire list. It's so many. All right, let's start with you here, Scott. Tell me, which injury are you most concerned with, or which injuries, I should say, are you most concerned with about uh, in the NFL right now. Yeah, this has just been devastating. And, and I've said it on Twitter. We've been on this for several weeks now uh, that that yep. we're going to see some injuries heading into the season. And I think the one for me that, I mean, they're all devastating, but one that kind of stands out to me a little bit is the Saquon Barkley. And not as much uh-huh. for him. I, I think he'll, you know, come back. It's early in the season. He'll be back on the field next year. This is really uh, impactful for Daniel Jones, right? So he's he struggled a little bit, you know, early in his career. He's not at an outstanding organization right now in the Giants, which I know isn't far from you. 
But I think this is really going to uh-huh. going to set back in, in what is a pivotal season for him, and I'm concerned with, um, you know, how he's going to develop, what it's going to do for him, how it impacts him going forward. So I think that one to me was really, really um, stood out for me as one that was going to be tough, not only for him obviously to be out, but then the Giants, and then, you know, what does the team look like going forward? That, that they weren't looking real impressive as it was. Yeah, no, definitely that's going to be a real big one. I mean, with Saquon Barkley going out, I mean, he he clearly was um, a guy, the kind of heart and soul of that team in many ways because he de- he in, he not only um, made them dangerous on the ground, but bought time for Daniel Jones in the pocket in terms of creating a, a threat on the ground, but also uh, in pass, uh, pass uh, pressure, uh, taking up pass pressure. Uh, you know, he did it all, and that was going to be an incredible blow to him. And, of course, we know that Deion Lewis will be stepping into his shoes. And uh, one certain Devontae Freeman, which we're going to get to a little bit later, but um, certainly nobody is going to be able to fill those shoes in that situation. Let me ask you um, another one um, that might be near and dear to your heart. Kenny Galladay, do you place any of the blame at all on how the Lions have fared in the first two weeks on the fact that Kenny Galladay hasn't been able to get to the field? Um, I don't think so. I, I mean, you look at you look at the week one against the Bears, which they choked it away. They, they sat out front. They, they got a nice lead. Uh, poor coaching, poor decision making again. Really cost them. I thought and it then was last, great. I, last I thought week, really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and then they followed <laughs> it up with the Packers. And again, got a little bit of a of a nice little lead going, and then just just blew it with with bad play. So. The defensive back is their weakness. It, it was going into the season. It continues to be. Um, they're actually learning how to run the ball a little bit, uh, but I, I don't think it is going to impact them. They, they weren't going to score 48 points against the the Packers. That's just not in their in their uh, in their DNA. So I'm I'm surprised that Galladay is going to come back. But I I think if he comes back and has any kind of a setback, he'll shut it down for the season. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that either, um, particularly with the um, prospects for the team going forward. I, I'm not sure what um, his thought process is on that, but it'll be interesting to see how that works. But let's switch over to another wide receiver who I think has had a pretty significant impact on his team, Michael Thomas, out last week, probably out for at least another week, if not more. You know, we saw what happened with the New Orleans Saints uh, on Monday night. Um, they were they lost uh, <laughs> by a pretty significant margin, 34-24, to, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, pretty surprising to me. Drew Brees, 312 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not bad, but obviously in catch-up mode for a good portion of that game. Really interesting. I mean, what are your thoughts here on Michael Thomas and his impact? Because I really do think that there is some significant impact here for the Saints if he can't get back on the field. Yeah, this one was interesting. I, I was watching that game uh, traveling this week, and it, it was one of those games where it was just kind of going along. It wasn't over, you know, nothing flashy, just Vegas was running the ball, seems like a lot. And the next thing you right. knew, it was the fourth quarter, and they were down, and, and what was going on. But the thing that was shocking uh, to me was that Emmanuel Sanders didn't, see the ball until the very last kind of garbage time desperation point and 
it, it was to a point where I was looking on Twitter to see if he had gotten hurt or what was going on because yeah. Breeze wasn't even, like, looking at his way. Trayvon Smith got seven targets, five catches, 86 yards. But I don't know what is going on. I don't know if Drew Breeze doesn't trust Sanders. But there was just zero going on there. And, you know, the, the leading receiver, Kamara, which isn't overly, you know, interesting, but – you know, if you look down, Jared Cook, who was highly touted, two catches, 13 yards. I mean, he did haul in a touchdown. But, yeah, it was just kind of a weird right. game. But it's also strange with these teams traveling and what are the hotel, you know, what's the hotel situation? There's no fans in these games. I just find it interesting to see how teams are reacting. And I I'm, I haven't checked, but I'm curious to see if the home teams are, are just really – uh, sweat, getting the winds at a higher clip than normal because of this just kind of weird travel situation and, and all these, these restrictions right now. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. You know, and, and you made a really good point about, you know, Alvin Kamara on its own, not, not terribly interesting that he led in receptions. But, you know, if you look at his total number of completions, 13 of his 26 completions, half his completions went to running backs, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray and Ty Montgomery pretty interesting there you know the, the fact of the matter is that he was checking it down quite frequently it wasn't uh he wasn't going downfield as much as you would expect him to uh certainly as you mentioned not to emmanuel sanders which i thought was very very interesting because i had pegged him to be a guy who would see a lot more action out there with michael thomas on the sideline so definitely some significant uh, impact there let me ask you um one more this one i think has pretty significant impact because there's a lot of injuries there already. San Francisco, um, not only losing George Kittle, but now losing Jimmy Garoppolo. And um, also, you know, they, there's a concern in the backfield. <laughs> you know, we may have a problem because Raheem Mostert has an MCL sprain, likely won't play in week three. Um, we have behind him Tevin Coleman, who is also dealing with his own injury uh, and is sidelined currently. That pretty much leaves Jarek McKinnon out there as the sole running back um, for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Tim, uh, Tim Coleman on injured reserve. I'm sorry, even worse. So there you go. He's expected to miss a month. So, uh, wow, that's a pretty significant impact there. No Garoppolo, no Mostert, no Coleman. What are your thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers and what their chances are with all these injuries racking up? Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, tough for them. And then you look on the defensive side, they lost Bosa for the year as well. Um, Jared McKinnon is actually uh, – he, he has talent. I, I drafted him over Mixon two or three years ago when he was out of out for the year. So I've got a bit of a hangover from him in fantasy. But, yeah, that team – I think the defense, which is kind of where they try to have their identity – so the uh, the losses there are going to probably derail their season. I think the the big story there also is the field conditions, right? I I wasn't aware right. of the complaints, you know, pregame, but there was clearly something wrong with the field. I I heard that there was complaints that the field was sticky, which I guess would explain you know a lot of these soft tissue situations. But here's like the most. Um, you know, the, the the craziest part of this is that the 49ers are going to be the away team in this exact same stadium again this week. Yeah. Right? Because they're now yeah. going to play the Giants. So it's just kind of a strange, you know, 
chalk it up to 2020, right? It's just another one of these strange scenarios. But I think the defensive injuries will take San Francisco out of any kind of playoff contention, and then they'll just be trying to piece together some sort of offense. But I I don't know. I I would look for a lot of pressure to be on the Giants uh, MetLife Stadium staff this week to get that field in shape. And I wouldn't be surprised Uh if we saw – some sort of a cancellation or delay if the players refuse to play on it. I think this is definitely yeah. a storyline to keep an eye on. No, I totally agree. There is something going on there um, that could, is, can be very problematic. Uh, it's very unclear what the, what the problem is, but it does look like it's going to be a real issue going forward. Uh, so many injuries on that field last Sunday. Um, really, really, really shocking. Um, okay, so any last uh, thoughts on injured players before we move on to the other side of this? No, I think we I think we could uh spend the whole night Move on it. Moving along to the, the other <laughs> side of the good to. news, the good news part of this. All right, let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and ring the bell on um the bad news because, you know, that, that nobody likes bad news. Uh no one likes to hear about all the injuries. Let's go ahead and talk about these new opportunities and these new signings. All these folks that may be in positions to succeed now because of injuries, including those like the aforementioned Devontae Freeman, Justin Herbert, obviously, um, which <laughs> the big story there, of course, if you didn't hear, Tyrod Taylor had his lung punctured by the team doctor when he tried to give him the uh, pain medication for his ribs. Uh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that is some serious malpractice right there. But, uh, you know, um, Justin Herbert forced into service and looking pretty good uh, on short notice. Uh, almost beating Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, of course, there's also Jonathan Taylor, a rookie that has had a great opportunity with Marlon Mack going down. So what do you think? Um, those are just a few of the names. What do you think is the, uh, some of the most impactful new opportunities or new signings across the NFL going into week three? The Herbert Tyrod Taylor one, it really stands out for, for so many reasons. I mean, you mentioned the fact that Taylor – you know, punctured lung from the doctor is just completely bizarre. But Herbert, you know, stepped in and I was actually shocked at at how well he played, how, how, you know, he stepped in right away and just really did a great job. And, and during the game, I, I I may have tweeted it, but I was definitely texting some people. Taylor will not see the field again in San Diego if uh, Herbert stays healthy. Right. I mean, it's over for him because Herbert right. played so well. I mean, the team's going to go to him. And Tyrod Taylor, who I think has talent, I mean, when he gets an opportunity, he's, he's, a, he's a solid quarterback, but he's going to have another situation where he's going to get flushed out. And it's really unfortunate that it was under these circumstances. I think given the chance, he, he might have done well. But it was just a matter of time before Herbert stepped in and got that opportunity. Um, a couple of players that, that I'm – interested in and we haven't seen the quarterback injuries yet but Jameis Winston is just kind of hanging out down in in New Orleans right now and I think if you see a quarterback go down he's gonna he's gonna be one probably top of the list to get moved uh, into a team that that might be in contention and might be a little weak at the backup situation Um, Uh and then RG3 you know is one that that's done well when he's gotten on the field there in, in Baltimore. And, and without having a preseason, guys like Jameis Winston aren't able to highlight their talent as much in a new offense and let teams see them 
it, like we saw from RG3 um, there in Baltimore. He His play, I think, in the preseason a couple of years ago was showing that he had returned from his injury. So I think keeping an eye on those, those quarterbacks and the, and the teams that, you know, might be interested. And then of course your bears with Nick Foles, right? I mean, he's, they're not going to pay him to just hang out. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's, that's one that I'm going to keep an eye on. If you look at a team like, you know, you go down the list, right? The Vikings, if something were to happen to cousins, they, they have some hope at, at putting a season together. Um, so just something to keep an eye on. I don't. I think we'll probably see a quarterback move before the season's over to back up some sort of an injury. Yeah, yeah. I would not be surprised by that in the least. Um, obviously, that I wouldn't be. Of course, you know, there's also Andy Dalton sitting there in uh, Dallas, uh, highly yep. paid behind Dak Prescott. Obviously, they want an insurance policy, but they may be able to get more out of him if they move him. And, of course, the guy who just will never disappear, Brock Osweiler, I'm sure will fall into this mix somewhere at some point, <laughs> um, as crazy and horrible as that sounds. Um, so, yeah, definitely some, some interesting things there. And Justin Herbert absolutely taking me by surprise. I mean, I, I was incredibly impressed with the poise. I mean, he did have one. Um, his interception was absolutely a, um, a, a very poor decision. But that being said, to rack up 311 yards and a touchdown and also have a rushing touchdown against a Kansas City Chiefs defense, which is probably among the top ten in the NFL, and go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you know, give him some credit. I mean, give the rest of the team some credit for keeping the offense in check, but give him some credit for really stepping into the limelight in a huge way and answering the call. Uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And I have to say that um, in our fantasy football league, that KFL league that you've been running for 20 years, I actually wanted to pick up Herbert, but I couldn't because his bye week mm. was on week 10, and my two uh, quarterbacks I, uh, that I drafted, Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan, also have bye weeks in week 10. So I actually had to make a waiver claim on Mitchell Trubisky, and that made me very sad <laughs> that I had to make a claim <laughs> on Trubisky as opposed to Justin Herbert. The upside seems so high on one of them, and I'll give you a hint. It is not Trubisky that I'm talking about. So anyway... Um, so that was uh, really painful for me. So what do you think about Devontae Freeman? You know, that, that was a big signing, like I said, worth off the $3 million. He turned down a lot of teams in the offseason uh, in hopes of getting a position where he could play, uh, and he didn't care about the, the pay. And he got offered more than $3 million, and this is all contingent $3 million he's getting out from the New York Giants. But what do you think the chances that Devontae Freeman is going to make an impact for the Giants this year? Yeah, that, this one I think is is kind of interesting. I, I think that it, Saquon has uh, succeeded despite the Giants' offense. Like he's a special right. talent. I think that's pretty pretty clear, right? He's. I mean, I, I'm right. I'm not going to put him in Barry Sanders' shoes yet, but he's definitely <laughs> you know that kind of special special talent. So. I think, you know, Devontae Freeman struggled a bit at the end there in, in Atlanta, and he has some injury concerns as well. So I'm not convinced he's going to step in and, and go put together a full season. So I think it's interesting, uh, definitely carry some name recognition, but uh-huh. it, it's not like the Giants were opening up these huge holes and Barkley was just, flying through them and picking up eight yards at a time like Emmett Smith was doing with the Cowboys back in the 90s. Um, 
it's much more of a struggling offense with not much of a passing threat, offensive line issues, and Barkley just making things happen. And I don't see that coming from Freeman. So I think it's um, I think it's still just going to be a really rough season for Daniel Jones, and and I think it's going to be be tough for him. Yeah, I I agree. I think that it's going to be um, it's going to be really tough, and it's interesting because. Devontae Freeman, I mean, the last time he had a 1,000-yard rushing season was in 2016 that they ended up in the Super Bowl there. That year he had 1,079 rush yards and 462 receiving yards and 13 total touchdowns. I mean, he was like a machine. And same time, in same way in 2015 where he had 1,056 rush yards, 578 receiving yards, and 14 total touchdowns. So he was incredibly productive. But then he's really fallen off in recent years, and I think – People, if you take a close look at what he did in 2019 at Atlanta, playing 14 games, 656 yards on the ground, 410 yards receiving, um, six total touchdowns. You know, he was averaging um, 3.6 yards per carry. Not that impressive. And way below his um, career average of 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, He's definitely trending in the wrong direction. I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be much, much better than Deion Lewis. Um, I think that they will probably use him on early downs there, and, and maybe he'll have some effectiveness. But you're right. They weren't opening these huge holes in which Saquon Barkley was blasting through without having to, you know, make a cut or dance around a little bit and, and wait and be patient. So I don't know if Devontae Freeman's that guy. and He's definitely not Saquon Barkley. Um, certainly impactful, but maybe not as impactful as we all think it will be. So that brings us to the big question about fantasy football because – you, sir, promised everybody that we were going to save their fantasy football season on this show because of the fact that uh, we warned them all that there was going to be problems of injuries coming in here. So let's go ahead and do that next. I'm ringing the bell on the segment. Let's go on to fantasy football. And let's talk about who we think um, fantasy football players should be targeting because – if you didn't have a backup plan, it's on you. But, hey, you know, we, we said we're going to save your season. So who should you target on that waiver wire? We've talked a couple about a couple of them already, but who should you target going into week three? Yeah, I think just as a general philosophy before, before we jump on players, one, one thing that I think is important for this season is that you, you grab the guys that you think have the talent, but you don't react quickly, right? So in a normal season, I think people, you know, you watch the games in week one and maybe somebody doesn't get any touches and you're dropping them and picking up and dropping them and picking up. And I've had trade offers for guys on my bench early in the season. And I'm more of a, I'm more in a position right now that I want to hold guys. Right. So if I have guys that are healthy, that are full participation, even if they're trending down a bit, I want to hang on to them because I mean, look at what happened just this week, right? You're, you're losing all of this talent on the field. So as a kind of a philosophy, make sure you're not overreacting because you might drop somebody that's healthy and you're just going to need them by attrition, right? Like at some point there's only so many guys left on the field, but you know, again, I think this, this week, I think the Deion Lewis one is interesting from the running back, even with the Devontae Freeman signing. I think we talked about it. I'm not convinced he's the solution. I don't think either guy is, is a, a good answer, but you know, if you're in a league and you need a running back, you've got one there. I think Daryl Henderson, if he's still floating around with the Rams, he obviously yeah. was loving the touches. He's the one to look at. I'm 
I'm still on the Jalen Rigor um, bandwagon in Philly. I don't know how many more weeks I'm going to hang on to it, but he is a he's a speedster. He can get deep. Wentz is trying to get to him. You know, when he figures it out, it, they're going to connect on some deep balls. He's the he's the Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson for him now. Um, I've also been silly a few times in Madden this year, and, and he can fly. So maybe that's why I'm hanging on him. Um, Jared McKinnon, right, we the, talked keep about. Keep in mind, obviously, got, to Jalen Rieger, torn UCL uh, from week two. So theoretically, oh. maybe out as long as until week nine. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, hope Man, you have an IR spot. I, I'm so not fast. sure. I know, I know. The, the injuries are coming. That's what I was saying. I, I didn't even realize that they had put Tevin Coleman on IR already. So you get to, it's hard to keep track of all these. Man, yeah, I missed that one. I I, I didn't see that one. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, we'll, well, well Yeah, um, no, no well, IR yet, but, but uh, they're saying week nine. So. <laughs> yeah, well, then I think that puts – then Deshaun Jackson becomes more interesting again, right? Like keep an eye right. on him because uh, he was available in several leagues I was in. Um, Robbie Anderson, I've I've been on him several times in the Jets. He's one of those guys you just end up. He's kind of like Jameson Crowder. I think I've picked him up over the years, and and when guys like Crowder can get on the field of Robbie Anderson, they'll just end up grabbing you know nothing exciting, nothing flashy. They get some targets, they pick up some balls, and, and they make plays. So that's a good one. And then obviously you already mentioned Herbert. Um, as well. And then, you know, depending on how deep your league is, maybe you put a Jameis Winston on your bench. I don't, you know, could could be interesting. But, uh, yeah, so there's tons of guys out there. Last week, I think there was about 10 guys I was targeting. This week, I had about a half dozen that I was targeting. Uh, So there's tons of talent out there. And if you got a healthy player, keep an eye on them. And I guess watch the injury report every day because I guess I was in a meeting and missed that one. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So I will say this: the uh, the interesting thing about you mentioned Robbie Anderson. Uh, I, I actually have a interesting thing about Robbie Anderson. I, I remember watching him when he was at Temple, actually, because of, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Anybody who listens to the show knows that. Back in 2015, Temple was ranked 21, Notre Dame ranked ninth. We played on Halloween in Philadelphia uh, at the Link, and Robbie Anderson there with. Um, he only two two receptions, fifty three yards, but he had a big thirty one yarder that was that was really freaked me out because it was one of those things where they hung around and almost won that game. Um, we uh, ended up winning twenty four to twenty for all for no good reason because it didn't really matter for the rest of the season anyway. But man, Robbie Anderson has always been a guy since then that I had kept my eyes on, and he's really coming into his own here. Um, you know, six of eight for one hundred fifteen yards and a touchdown in week one, nine of ten for one hundred nine yards in week two. Clearly, um, he's someone who's going to get targeted a lot. And with Christian McCaffrey going down, um, I think there's going to be a lot more targets out there to get um, because, you know, Christian McCaffrey did suck in a lot of those targets prior to this, and now he's, get, he's going from eight targets to ten targets. Couldn't he get to 12? I don't know. It's entirely possible. But he certainly looks like the number two there now. Um, a couple other guys that I was thinking about, all, I, I agree with all the ones you've named as well, but there, there certainly are um, a few others that are in the tight end area. Um, there are so many tight ends that went out injured over the last couple weeks. Um, for instance, Blake, Jar- Blake Jarwin out injured, gone for the season IR in Dallas. Dalton Schultz stepping up big in week two, somebody to take a look at. 
C.J. Uzuma from Cincinnati Bengals out from injury. Drew Sample stepping in, uh, picking up some really, really great stats there. George Kittle out. Jordan Reed turning back time and having an amazing week, too. So clearly some, uh, some, some potential short-term value there, Jordan Reed. And, of course, the injuries in Indianapolis to Jack Doyle and Trey Burton left Mo Ali Cox out there all, all by his lonesome. And that did wonders for him. Uh, for him last weekend, pulling in some good stats there as well. So lots of tight ends that you can target out there that are available in um, essentially 90% plus of leagues. So just go out there and get it. Of course, I'll mention Jarek McKinnon as well because he's last man standing, so someone else to think about. All right, well, hopefully that will all help everybody out there. Let's go on to our last topic of the day. That is the game that we're looking forward to in week three that isn't the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Because we all know that we all want to watch the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. But what else do we want to watch? So, Scott, what team are you? What game are you looking forward to in week three outside of that Ravens-Kansas City Chiefs matchup? So this game I probably wouldn't have identified early in the season, but partially because of fantasy and partially because I just think it's interesting, is the Raiders at the uh-huh. Patriots. So before mm-hmm. Cam came to the Love Patriots, I, I would have thought they, they wouldn't have, have done much. But I was actually rolling the dice on Cam this year. I, I picked him up in a league. Uh, he's doing really well for me. I don't know if he'll survive the season based on what he's doing. But I think the Patriots are looking at, at like a 10-6 and six season and probably they might edge out the Bills for the division or definitely grab a wild card. And then the Raiders, I, I mean – you know, Gruden's committed. They're running the ball. Josh Jacobs is, is running the ball. They've got arguably the second or third best tight end in the league right now in Waller. They're killing it. They've got, you know, they're protecting um, David Carr, giving him time to find these receivers. They've got these, you know, Renfro on these little underneath kind of sure hands stuff. So if they can get enough defense, I think the Raiders can make the run at the, at the playoffs. So I think this is really going to be an interesting game. I think, you know, anytime you put Gruden out there and Belichick, it's it's going to get a lot of run. Uh, but I can definitely tell you that I have zero interest, even personally, in watching the Lions at the Cardinals. I mean, this, this is like it's a horrible game. I can't even imagine it's going to be on TV. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, yeah, one, that one for me I think is interesting for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that one. I and I think and that was actually probably my my first choice as to games I want to look out to, and and more so after watching that game on Monday night, um, wanting to see how they do against the Patriots in Foxborough. But I am actually interested in watching the Houston Texans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers two and zero, the Texans zero and two. Yeah, the Texans got a pretty bad draw in the first two games. Chiefs, Ravens, ugh, terrible. Now they face the Steelers. They have a legit, they have they look like they have a legit defense. Texans heading in the wrong direction. Uh, Deshaun Watson looking absolutely miserable out there, and I just don't know what they're doing if they're receiving core. I guess DeAndre Hopkins really did make that team. Um, no one's really stepped up big in order to fill that gap. I mean, there's obviously there've been flashes for Brandon Cooks, uh, a couple flashes for Randall Cobb. Um, you know, Will Fuller can't really stay healthy or is not just getting targeted. It's just, I don't know what's happening. They got a bunch of speedsters out there hoping to fill the gap and they have been totally unable to do so. David Johnson had a nice start to the season, but really, really came crashing down to earth this past weekend. 
11 carries for a pitiful 34 yards and two receptions for 16 yards. It just did not look good. And this could be it. I mean, I, I just don't know what else the Texans have in the, in the tank at this point after the Steelers. I mean, going 0-3 uh, may be the end of the season for them. Um, it gets easier for them. They have the Vikings after that, the Jaguars. Titans questionable, then the Packers are going to be pretty tough probably. But, you know, if they can't get a win out of the first three games, and this is their last chance to do it against the Steelers, could be doomsday scenario for those Houston Texans. All right, we have come down to the end of the show. It's always so quick. Let's hit the air horn on the entire show. Scott, why don't you share your social media people so they can follow you. Yep, I'm at uh, NFL Fantasy underscore more on Twitter. Try to stay as active as possible, uh, especially with all the activity in the in the league right now. So uh, just make sure you know what's going on and, and keep an eye on players and who's getting hurt. And hopefully, you, and you'll you absolutely get cash. to see firsthand, firsthand Scott slowly imploding into madness during during Lions games. So absolutely. <laughs> Give him a follow, yeah. if for nothing else, for a little bit of entertainment value. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, and I can say that because typically you can watch me um, imploding into madness over uh, Bears games, but just this year we're just getting lucky. We're, fi- we're finding ourselves on the right side of the coin flip at the end of the games, which is insanity. But, um, yep, you can follow us, me at FB Garbage Time on Twitter. And thanks again, everyone, for coming out and wasting time with us. And until next time. And I'd love to say this because we're in the middle of the football season, but enjoy your NFL week.